0: It's your Locked on Flyers podcast for Monday, August 29th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is excited. I'm not sure if it's the right word, but intrigued by our conversation on Rasmus Ristolainen today.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting.
0: Your Locked on Flyers, your daily
1: podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers, part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at RMiriam. I'm here as always with the brilliant Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on all our episodes and flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we've got a couple of RFA signings to talk about with Wade Allison and Linus Hoberg. We're going to do a deep dive on Rasmus Ristolainen and then have our nemesis of the week. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe and give us a thumbs up over there. So once again, Russ, we are correct in our analysis. Uh, Hayden Hodgson is the cheese that stands alone, I guess. Yeah, in the poor Flyers. guy. RFA summer he has his
1: hand out. He's waiting for that last little bit
0: <laughs> because the flyers officially signed Wade Allison and Linus Hoberg. Wade Allison got a two year, two way, one way deal. Uh, the NHL salary is 785 K. And you know, we have been talking about what a Wade Allison contract might look like because of his injury history. So to see him get a two year deal, Uh, with the second year being a one-way deal, is the Flyers really betting on him in a way?
1: It is. I mean, I'm going to say this as delicately as I can. Chuck Fletcher hands out these kind of contracts like they're candy. Like he just does. I still would have only given him a one-year. Anytime I say two years is too many, they say, well, the second year is only a one-way, and it's only a... Yeah, but you're still committed to him. And at this point he really has to prove to me he can play like 60 NHL games. If he can't, if he wants to be a, you know, a career AHL fine, I'll sign him every year for the AHL after that. But to give him a two year deal now makes no sense. I get it. It's everybody's going to say that. Well, it's just a one way after the one year. Oh, okay, fine. But it's still betting on him. Like you said,
0: Yeah, and it takes up a roster spot, right, where you have to go through a lot more hoops if you want to waive him, you know, which is fine. And maybe they think, oh, if we have to waive him, we'll waive him. We don't care. But, like, I I do think that it is a little bit risky with Wade Allison. And, you know, he only played one game with the Flyers this past season. Uh, He had 28 games in Lehigh where he had 10 goals and 7 assists. So it wasn't like he was extremely prolific at the no. AHL level. He did fine, but it wasn't anything to write home about. And so I do think that this is an incredible risk. Now the reward could be extremely high cuz I do think he has a lot of potential. Yeah, um, me too. You know, he could surprise us, but it's just like the the chance of him staying healthy just seems so unlikely.
1: The thing is, they have this theory that the team does that, hey, he fits this, you know, either third-line or fourth-line role perfectly, right, as an NHLer, And when you see him play one game there, he can. But we don't know if he can handle the rigors of a season. And, and, and that's the problem. And a Tortorella season is going to be now harder for him than any coach he's ever had previously. So when you play for torts it's going to take more of a toll on you, especially if you're playing with the puck in your end a lot. So I don't know how Wade Allison's going to be able to handle this. I hope he can. I've always said that, but I wouldn't have given him two years because it's like, again, it's one of those things where, like you said, it does eventually take up a roster spot and yeah, you can just simply wave him. Sure. But again, like you said, there does become a point when, things are tight and everything else and you start to do that and it causes a little havoc and maybe just him having that roster spot means you're not inviting somebody else into camp next year and you're going to hope again that Wade Allison can do something even if he's just on an AHL deal cuz you know you could still sign him to an NHL deal after that so that hope is is still there for two more years that's what it tells me and to me I would only have the hope there for one more year like this year he would have to prove it to me completely
0: yeah and again certainly hope he comes through and he has a great season because i love the kid. uh since yeah, he's a the great day guy. he was drafted. So best wishes to him for this upcoming season. Linus Hogberg, defenseman, uh love that they gave him a deal, two-way contract is exactly right. And i i do think this is also kind of a make it or break it year for Hoberg mm-hmm. as well. But i think his development has been going pretty smoothly. I, I don't think you know, he's exceeded expectations by any stretch, but I do think like a slow arc. Yeah. Yeah. He's made progress year to year. He had eight assists with the phantoms this past season. He had five games with the flyers, two assists in that time. And I think he acquitted himself pretty well in those five games and showed that he could hang at the NHL level to a a certain degree.
1: Yeah. He's a good skater, a good puck transporter. He could be a depth guy. Could he fill in on the third pairing for a couple weeks? Yeah. And so you need those kinds of guys. Could he do better than that? He might. He's been doing better than I thought he would, I think, to this point. I was always kind of like 50-50 that, you know, whether he could make it or not. Uh, It's interesting, too, because, like, you know, for um, a a website called Full Press, I just did a Flyers under 25, and I had to just sort of scratch him off at the last minute because I wanted to talk about guys who – could have the most impact on the flyers that are under 25 and he just misses out like it's always like that like even we could tell people here like when he was unsigned we were thinking about profiling him and we're like oh wait he's still unsigned because even to the flyers he's just this close and they're Mm -hmm. not sure and so we had to sort of act accordingly too now at some point we probably will profile him because i think a little bit into the season, he'll be a fun player to watch because I like watching guys, even if it's at a slow pace that do develop and surprise you.
0: Yeah. I really think he's going to have a, a banger of a year in Lehigh Valley and, and get a call up at some point. Yeah, Opportunity is I, there. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I just think he's on the right track. All right. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, man, He has been such a controversial figure in Flyers land. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it started with the deal and giving up a first round draft pick and Robert Haig. Uh, We weren't really sorry to see Robert Haig go. It just seemed like overall the whole. We knew he could play. He could play. Yeah. Yeah. So just a solid, low pairing defensive defenseman, Correct. nothing more, nothing less. But I think we were just kind of overwhelmed by the package to get a guy like Risto, who has been just by the numbers, not great for most of his career.
1: So with Risto, I think there's one thing that's always at play. The one thing that's always at play is he was a high draft pick. So then all of a sudden, in some people's minds, they elevate him to a certain level because of that. Then after that, it's, well, he's supposed to be an offensive defenseman. Well, we're way past that now. We should be, but not everybody is. Buffalo fans aren't. When they talk about Lane, they still look at him as a disappointment because he doesn't produce offensively. And I think some Flyers fans see that he has a great shot, but he also takes 10 minutes to load it. So it's like, you know, you can't really play him on the power play because of that. He's good at moving around the puck. But he's, you know, his shot just isn't fast enough as far as the release. So I think when you look at those two factors, then it becomes the well, what is he good at? Well, he's physical. And so the Flyers will always talk about the fact that he's physical. And fans seem to like don't want to pay for that. You know what I mean? Like it's just, but you need that in the league. Like I think we're seeing it all over. And so, as an example, I always, or will say even on this show, take Risto out of there. You got your money back. What are you doing for a physical presence on the blue line? You have to have one, and there is nobody else on the flyers that are good, that's going to fill that role. Now, Nick Sealer can do it for like nine minutes a game if you really want to do that, but then where would you get that, and how much cheaper could you get it at? I think that's what you have to look at is the sort of the replacement value here, not necessarily even the player at this point.
0: I think there's some fair points in there. I do think there is a possibility to get the physicality with a little bit better offensive play and a little bit better defensive play. Now, would they have had to pay the same price? Sure, but I would rather have, you know, a physical defenseman who can actually play defense a little bit better.
1: Okay. There's not a ton of those guys out there.
0: No, there are not. And, you know, I also... David Yerichek would have been a great draft pick Yes, yes. along those lines. Right, listen, I'm so, not going to argue
1: with you on that one. And he yeah. did great in the second part of the World Juniors, too. He really looked good. I get it.
0: He did. All right. We're going to continue talking about Rasmus Ristelainen coming up next. But first, an important message from the, Na- the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.
1: Are you one of those people that thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everybody around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI.
0: All right, getting back to our deep dive on Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, I think, you know, in addition to the deal to get him here, the re-signing of Ristolainen at a five-year, $5.1 million cap hit just was I think really an affront to a lot of Flyers fans and confusing to a lot of people. Now, is that sort of your general right price for a second pairing defenseman? Yes, I would. I absolutely think that's kind of where you're going to land typically in the NHL. The problem came is that what had he done at that point to earn that deal which was nowhere near enough, nor did he earn it after the deal was made. his I just don't think his play got better at any point in this season.
1: It didn't get better. I think up to that point, it was pretty good, though. I think it was better than what some detractors were willing to say. So I see what the Flyers were seeing. Plus, there was an air of desperation around mm. the organization that probably still exists, but not as bad. Um, So there was that we have to go back and get in that mindset of what was going on with the front office. And then certainly there was that, Uh, especially with Ryan Ellis out. It's like, Oh, we're going to lose another one. And then if you're the GM, you do sort of have to cover your tracks because you've given up a lot of assets, like you pointed out. So all those things are like a perfect storm to get this guy signed. But now there's a new coach, John Tortorella and So back when he used to coach the Rangers, I kind of wonder if you could make Westerlainen sort of in the same role. And of course he'll be second pairing, not a top pairing, same kind of role as Dan Girardi was like Dan Girardi was never this super talented defenseman, but John Torrello is the best thing that ever happened to Dan Girardi. He became a supreme shot blocker. He was really good getting the puck away around the net. He was physical. You know, and he actually got a few more points than you would expect. And Risto could always put up some points because he is a very good passer and, and does have a good first pass. And so I think you could make him sort of into that Dan Girardi role as a second pairing guy and sort of have him play the same way. I think if you do that, I think you'll get the most out of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying there, and I do think that potential is there with Torts. I think with the system he'll put in place, I think he'll force Ristow to have a little bit more defensive responsibility than he did. Uh, I think he was a little bit more free-for-all this past season, and you're right, he is that physical guy. Obviously, he led the team with hits in uh, 230 hits. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, 125 block shots. So he is good for that. And I I will I will give him that. Um and I do think, you know, one of the things we talked about last off season with him was that in Buffalo, he was a first pairing defenseman where that he just should not have been. And so getting a second pairing role with a little bit less ice time, he got that. And I think that was more suited to him. So I think like that's the good side of it but just his underlying numbers were still pretty trash and okay you before you at... get into
1: the numbers there was one other thing though that that popped in my head he does an extra thing with the puck all the time that sometimes he'll turn the wrong way and everybody gets crazy because he'll have a turnover Torts may be able to take that out of him by just saying mm-hmm. you're gonna have the puck less like that's it you're gonna have the puck for two seconds if the puck's on your stick it's off your stick you're we don't want you really transporting the puck and if they do that maybe that cures." that
0: that's fair and uh, like i said there are some good things about him and i do think torts can get more out of him but uh just the numbers are very challenging to overcome with you know his Corsi against per 60 64.7 that's atrocious 33 giveaways to 21 takeaways that that's is bad. not that's not a good ratio for a defenseman i think Mm-mm. You know, you gotta be on the upside of that as a defenseman, especially as a physical defenseman. You should be taking the puck away from the other team if that's
1: my devil's advocate argument on that is was anybody a plus in giveaway takeaway? As far as a regular, I know Noah Cates was, but as a regular, I'm not sure they had many, if any.
0: Well, you're probably right there. I don't know (laughs) off the top of my head. No, I know. I mean,
1: I just remember looking at certain guys. That's not an excuse for him.
0: But right. you still are
1: relying on your teammates a little bit.
0: Yeah, that that is true, but again, you know, if if you're selling yourself as a really physical defenseman and you're hitting people and you're blocking shots, where are the takeaways to line up with all of that? They they just weren't there to the degree that they needed to be from him. And so, you know, and I think that one of the other things that was missing from his play is that and to be fair to him he was just not really given special teams time no and so I think that to me that's a giant question mark for him you know he only had one point which was an assist on the power play all season long and I really think that there has to be a way to figure out if he can be useful in those situations this upcoming season.
1: Yeah. I kind of wonder, there's another thing that again, I felt was an underlying issue with the team. And this is why I wish they had hired um, a guy to train them ahead of time instead of bringing them in just last couple days ago. And the issue is I felt like the flyers would get gassed in games. All of them except for maybe some of the young players in Provorov, most of them were getting gassed Um, and I do kind of wonder could Ristol be in better condition? He could be one of those guys now that comes in the camp and has been doing everything the same way since Buffalo. You know, I'm going to say doubtful the Flyers changed any of his habits and Torterell instantly changes his habits. Like, wait a minute. You know, you're going about this wrong. Maybe, and then the rest of the staff looks at him and says, yeah, you've got to this is how we can get more out of you.
0: That is a really good point as well. And it does seem like with Risto, he has his own way of doing things. He's in his own lane. Like in some ways, if it felt like this past season that he was playing on a different team than the Flyers, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Like he just was doing his own thing out there sometimes. And uh, I do think that he and Sandheim do make a good pairing. I think they balance they each other well. They just need Risto to do more and better of what he needs to do in that balance, right? Hey, just to
1: show you one guy that completely has you know been awful for giveaway takeaway, pro seventeen takeaways eighty four giveaways. that's the most second most in his career
0: yeah that that was pretty bad.
1: That's pretty bad, but he,
0: but it wasn't like, I mean, it's bad and I'm not going to excuse it, but with Provi, it's not like that's something you expect a ton out of him, right? That's not his game as much as you would expect. No, with the last
1: two years, it's getting, it's gotten worse, right? So that's something right. where I feel like the whole team has gotten worse with that. And that's why I felt like younger players who came in that weren't exposed to the team were better at it than some of the guys in the system already, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. I just I do think that like it's going to be really important for Sanheim and Risto to build the right kind of chemistry Yeah, that I think we saw hints of it, that it's a doable pair, but it wasn't there all the time. And I think Risto was definitely more of the weak link, right? Travis Sanheim was one of the bright spots for the Flyers all season. So and I do think with Sanheim being in a contract year, that's going to elevate his play a little bit and and risto's gonna have to keep up
1: look i mean the irony here is i don't remember the name of the movie it was by the coen brothers but remember those two guys were tied together breaking out of jail that they, they had like a leg leg clamp on them and they couldn't get <laughs> it out right that's how these two are this year Sanheim's next contract is dependent on ristalena
0: it's really true and i I just hope that they can figure out a way to make all of that work to their advantage for both of them. Right.
1: I mean, I'm going to stay on the positive side for that. Cause I did feel like they were the best pairing last year. I feel mm-hmm. like they will be the best pairing this year. So I'm going to stay on the positive side of it. Even if you want to tell me Ristolainen's overpaid, I'm going to be like, how much really by how much? Cause again, what does 4 million bucks get you? If you say he's only worth four, what does four get you in this league on the blue line anymore?
0: Not much. I think, you know, that's the lower end of a second-pairing defenseman. So yeah. can you make that argument with Risto based on performance? Maybe. But in terms of, like, your average second-pairing defenseman, I think $5 million is about where you're going to pay. And-
1: yeah, I mean, Scott Mayfield's on, a, ridicu- on yeah. a ridiculous deal, so he'll get more money. Adam, Pell- Adam Pellick was on a ridiculous deal, and then he got a raise, right? He's not very mm-hmm. offensive. and I mean, this is the higher end of, you know— those kinds of defensemen, and Pellick's actually a top-liner, right? So, but just top-pairing guy. But just to show you that there's not a ton of these guys, and there's definitely not a ton that make less money.
0: That is absolutely true. Well, I think the conclusion we have come to is that Risto needs to step up a little bit. The pairing has to really have a gangbusters year for this team to improve things on the defensive side of things. And we think Tortorella could have a positive effect there.
1: Well, maybe over the summer, we don't know, maybe, uh, you know, Yoni Pekanen called him up and they went to an anthrax concert together or something and, and buddied up. All right. (laughs) Who knows?
0: Well, we will be back up next with our nemesis of the week. All right, Russ, it's Monday. It's time for our nemesis of the week. And if you are newer to Locked on Flyers, every Monday we look at the week upcoming and say, who or what in Flyers land or the world of hockey is just irritating us or things that we're worried about going into the week with all of that. And last week we talked about... Being a little nervous with Tortorella, that he might box some of the younger kids out of development opportunities at the NHL level, uh, certainly could happen to Wade Allison, could happen to Linus Hogberg that we talked about at the top of the show. And uh, this week, for me, my nemesis is that this upcoming weekend, It's going to be September, which is absolutely bonkers to me that the summer is coming to an end. And, you know, I'm excited for summer being over just because I like colder weather in general. So that'll be a good thing. But there is a certain sort of sadness to the summer being over. But I'm trying to balance that out with excitement because we're going to get the Flyers back. We're going to get the NHL back. And I'm very excited about that. And so it's sort of this mix of sad the summer's over, but happy hockey is closer to being back.
1: So my nemesis this week is going to be Gritty.
0: Oh, no. What did Gritty do?
1: He didn't do anything. This is more the Flyers' fault. But I feel like as we get closer to the season, I want less gritty on social media and talking points and everything and memes. And I want more about the younger players because I feel like you have to sell Flyers fans hope, even if you're not talking about the rebuild, I feel like if you, if you have built this team to be like 25 and under, and that's what your model is, then start pushing that now. Like, I feel like that's what you need to do and sell that hope Don't sell me skits with gritty because at the end of the day, that's not much to hold on to if things start going bad. But if things start going bad in the regular season, I can still hold on to the young players with the hope that, hey, things are going to get better maybe at the end of this year, maybe into next year. That's what I'm saying. So a little less gritty.
0: You know, I think it's fair to say that, that when we talked about it last season, yeah. just all during the season they did not do a good job of highlighting prospects you know showing highlights. until the
1: end of the year then they finally started showing bobby brink
0: yeah it's like they didn't show highlights from ncaa prospects no. they didn't really say oh keeping track with our prospects with the phantom like they just didn't do any of that and i think uh, you know this Week's Nemesis is all about balance, right? So, yes, there is a balance to it where I think there is a certain degree of fun you have with your team mascot, but you also yeah. have to balance it with other kinds of content. And I think that's a fair point. I do want to actually uh, talk about a gritty update from Friday's show. Okay. <laughs> because, which you reminded me with talking about gritty. So, we talked about a Post that they did with clapping, and they said the caption was "it's the clap," but they had deleted that post, mm-hmm. and I think it was because of the controversial nature of saying, you know, having the clap on there. So they, but they reposted it later over—I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday—with um the caption "this is cinema," which I wouldn't <laughs> expect you to get this, Russ, but it's a Harry no, Styles reference. Oh, okay. Um so i appreciated that since i just saw harry styles in concert last week um but i think that seems like a nice
1: chap just um, not in my in my wheelhouse
0: yeah that's you know it's totally fine everybody's got their thing but i i think it's very amusing that they reposted it with a different caption
1: yeah that's that is funny um but again people would have to really search the internet Younger people to even know what it meant. I don't think people talk about that in that vernacular in this day and age. You don't hear that anymore. Oh, the clap? You clap you don't hear it
0: yeah fair enough i yeah i think so i thought you were talking about the harry styles reference no no no. harry styles like
1: <laughs> what, what was he in i don't know one dimension i don't know what the name of his band was that he did he leave it did he bail one on
0: dimension? them oh my god <laughs>
1: well what are one they direction. What was one direction it's close it had one in it but did he bail on them was he like every other lead singer that said i'm too popular like justin no, timberlake they and just left up. They,
0: they, they all why did they break up, up?
1: why'd they break because up because
0: they were just done they went through their okay. cycle they were together right. for quite a long time i don't even honestly know that much about <laughs> one direction i'm more of a harry styles fan than a One direction okay. fan. okay but they just kind of went their separate ways they decided they need a break and and i think all of them have done solo projects so okay right. um i think it's just harry styles that became the most popular i think but anyway there you go. There's your uh, One Direction info on Lockdown On Flyers <laughs> related to Gritty. That will, uh, what a note to end today's show. Unforeseen. <laughs> yes. It's a good turn. All right. That will do it for today's show. We'll be back again on Wednesday. We're super excited. We're going to be talking to friend of the show, Joe Yurden, who has covered the Sabres and the NHL in general. Really excited to get sort of an outside perspective on the Flyers from a guy like him who's super knowledgeable. He's watched a lot
1: of Risto, so be prepared. Mm-hmm.
0: As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at lockedonflyers@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R-Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M.
1: I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y.
0: You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked on NHL. Locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked on NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.